got the idea of that uh, at getting you all involved in the song. Amen. The kids thought that was pretty neat, so they, they wanted to do that. And I uh, appreciate you participating. Amen. All right. Well, I tell you, uh, it's hard to say, but it, it is the truth. But at the same time, sometimes you, you think, how can you really divide it? Because really the whole service is so important. But truly, uh, the most important part is the Word of God. and Because uh, that's the reason we're here today. Without the Word of God, we wouldn't even be here. Without our trust in the Word of God, our, our hope in the Word of God, uh, when you think about, the, again, Paul says, if, uh, if uh, our hope is only here in this world, if there's nothing afterwards, we are of all men most miserable. Amen? But because of the Word of God, we know there is something after this life. And so we're not miserable. Rather, we're able to come to church this morning. And uh, I, hope that, I hope that in our minds or even in our tongue, we said this morning, not that I have to go to church, but that we get to go to church. Amen? i got to remind the children about that all the time. It's not a have-to thing. It's a get-to thing. And, uh, but uh, I'm thankful for the Word of God this morning. So let's stand, take our Bibles, turn, turn to uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, as we continue our study through Psalm 119, looking at the wonder of God's Word. I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited about uh, this. Last, last week's was I was excited about. It. Amen? The light of God's Word. Uh, this week, uh, I'm thankful and what God showed me uh, through these passages here in verses 113 through 120. And uh, we're going to look today at the fruitful Word of God. The fruitful Word of God. Uh, David says in 113, I hate vain thoughts. But thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually." Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Father, we thank you again for the word of God this morning. Thank you for this passage. We pray that this morning as we uh, study this, that, Lord, you would please uh, open our understanding to see the truth, to understand it, and, Lord, to allow it to do its work in our heart. Lord, I pray that we would uh, become a people that love your word. Might it be so vitally important in our life that it's even more important than the physical food every day. Lord, I pray, speak to us. Might you be glorified in the preaching. Might you help us, Lord, to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The fruitful word of God. David begins this section of Psalm 119 with some very strong words. Hate and love. David said he hated vain thoughts. These are things that are empty. If you look up the word vain, it, it, it literally in the 1828 has fruitless, 
fruitless things. But he, the, here it says that I love God's law. What is the reason for that? Well, in that he shows us that God's word is not vain, but rather fruitful. God's word brings forth fruit in the life of the believer. David tells us what kind of fruit God's word had brought into his life. And so today, I'm not comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, uh, that which are not wise, amen. We're not comparing ourselves with David, but rather comparing the fruit. Do I see some of the fruit that David had in his life from the word of God in my life? And if so, can we say amen to that in my life? Or are we saying, oh me, maybe I need to work on that, amen? David begins, though, with sharing the secret to God's word being fruitful in our life. There is a secret. Don't tell nobody else, amen? But in verse 1, he says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. The secret is, one, you got to loathe sin. you got to hate it. You know, I think this has become something in Christianity in general today, but specifically among American Christians, that we have taken a look at sin that's not hatred. We look at sin as, oh, well, you know, it's, it's sin. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's bad, but, you know, I could think of worse. Really? <laughs> I mean, let's, let's sing a brother Ben said very aptly this morning about the Old Testament. It's through the Old Testament that we understand what sin is, and we understand what are sins, amen, and then we understand God's view of sin. He hates sin. And you and I, if we want God's work to have fruit in our life, we're really going to have to come to a place where we hate sin. Now, being the, the, the weak creatures that we are, we understand we're going to fail at this. We're not going to be perfect at this. Understand that. But here's the thing. Are we, a, are we striving to look at sin through the eyes of God and hate it? Or do we look through sin through our human eyes? Do we look at sin through the eyes of the media? Do we look at sin through the eyes of Hollywood? Do we look at sin through the eyes of, of the school system? Do we look at sin through anything else other than the eyes of God, which we can see through those eyes right here through the book? Man, Do we loathe sin? Sin has got to become exceedingly sinful. Lying. Oh, man, isn't it so easy to just kind of excuse lying? Now, now, listen, we understand lying is wrong. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to be stepping all over. Brother, Brother Ben said today is, apt, is so true. People want to look at Rahab and they want to focus on, man, she lied. <laughs> the Bible, I think, is very clear. That to tell something that is maybe not the truth because you're trying to preserve life or something like that, God isn't looking down and saying, oh, you lied. <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think he looks at it as lying. Amen? Uh, I think he's, he's seeing that you're trying to preserve life. I mean, think about those Germans who tried to hide away Jews during World War II and the soldiers would come in knocking on their door. Do you have Jews? No, not me. Is God really going to say, oh, you lied. You should have given them up. No. But this thing of lying, when you can tell the truth, 
You know why often we, we don't tell the truth? Because of pride. We want to seem different than what the truth is. And so we lie. Whether that be, well, as child especially, but even as adults we can do that. Man, I did something wrong, I'm getting caught, so I'm going to lie about it so I don't look like I'm wrong. Or whether we lie about personality traits or we lie about abilities or whatever. I mean, you know, isn't it funny when you, when you talk to somebody and you're like, maybe you need help with something. You know, I, I, I need help with my vehicle, man. I, I got this electrical problem and some guy says, oh, man, I've... I work on electrical on vehicles all the time. I, man, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm certified. Really? Okay, can you help me? Yes, I can. And then he comes and he makes it worse. Or he doesn't know what he's doing. Where's your certified? Well, I'm YouTube certified, you know? <laughs> that, that was a lie. He didn't have to say that to preserve any life or do anything right. He said that to make himself look big. And that, I think, is a big difference between what Rahab did and what people do all the time today, man. And so we, we've got to look at sin as what it is. It's, it's exceeding sinful. It's nasty. God hates it. And yes, even lying is an abomination, the Bible says, in the eyes of God. Oh, wait a minute here. You know, that's a Baptist preacher supposed to preach on abomination is uh, homosexuality, sodomy. Amen? That, that, that's the only abomination in the Bible. No, no, no. Lying, Christian, is an abomination. And if we are lying, then what we are is on the same plateau as the sodomite in God's eyes. Sin is exceedingly sinful. Do we loathe sin? The secret to letting God's Word really become fruitful in our life. There might be tidbits here, but think about about a fruit tree. Do you want just one or two apples on your tree? Or do you want a load of apples on there? I mean, you want them just falling off all over the place, don't you? That's the way we should want fruit in our life. Not just, a, well, I got a little bit of fruit here and a little bit of fruit there. No, we should want to be fruitful. Amen? And so that comes by loathing sin. But secondly, he says, but thy law do I love. The second part of the secret is to love the Scriptures. If we don't love the Scriptures, if getting into the Scriptures is a chore for us, if coming to God's Word is not our cup of tea, because maybe when I read it, I don't feel good. Maybe we need to get past this idea of we need everything to make us feel good. That, that's a big problem in Christianity today. Is it, it, it has to make me feel good. If, it, if I don't feel good, then I don't like it. And that's, that's why most people don't like real biblical preaching. Because real biblical preaching is not meant to make us feel good. Amen. Man, my preacher would step all over my toes, and I thank God for it. Amen. He helped me to see things in my life that, that God was trying to show me, but I was resisting. Then God would use my preacher to preach something that would point it out again. And I, okay, God, I get the point. I can't say it's not, it's not you anymore. Preacher gave it verbally. Amen. We ought to love God's word. It ought to be more than our necessary food. It ought to be the first thing. And the last thing, it ought to be in our heart. It ought to be in our, in our thoughts. It ought to be chewed on all day long. 
And listen, I'm not talking about it's a like it's like prayer. You know, Bible says pray without ceasing, and you got these you know smart Alex that want oh do you pray all the time then. We all know that that's not what he says. We can't be on our knees 24-7. We're to be in an attitude of prayer, though, at all times. And throughout the day, we should be talking to God as our Father. It shouldn't have to be a, a formal, get down on my knees, and oh, Heavenly Father. No, it should be all the just, I'm driving down the road, and you know, God, I'm just thinking about this. What do you think? Or, uh, God, well, you know, uh, you're so good to me. You know, just this, uh, random thoughts throughout the day that we're talking with him. It's the same with the word of God and chewing on it. It's not that I have to be thinking about scripture 24-7. But as I go through my day, is it a usual thing that scripture pops into my head and I think about it for a while? Something I read that morning or maybe something I read years ago or, or just I see something and when I see that it automatically makes me think of something in Scripture and I think about that for a little bit, chew on it for a while. That's what it means to meditate. It's not that that's all I think about and, that, and I'm focused totally on the Scripture, but that it is there constantly. Just coming to me. You know, I, I, see, I see a child that may be on the road playing, and I think, oh, man, you know, think about how God said, suffer the little children, amen? And I think about how God loves the little children of the world and how you got to come to him in the faith of a child if you want to come to him. And Oh, man, that, that made me chew on that for a little bit. We need to love the Scripture. Too many people that say, I'm a Christian, Hardly even read the Word of God. They don't have set times in their day. I, 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 again, I truly believe that, that we all ought to strive to make it one of the first things we do in the morning because that really sets the day well. But, but you know, I, the, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to do that. David said, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray. Amen? I mean, so your, your time with the Lord is when you want to set that time. I, I, morning is a great time, even though it's not, the, the, not probably the best time for our flesh. Amen? But it's the great time because it sets the day. But then, you know, having some time in the afternoon, having some time in the evening is, is good too. Or, uh, you know, if your time is well, you know, I know that I cannot do the morning. I struggle. I fall asleep. I don't get nothing. So afternoon's better for me. That's when I read and it helps me. Praise God. Do it. But are you doing it? Man, that's where we got to get to this place of I love the Scripture. Not that just I'm, I'm glad we have it and, you know, I like it, but I love it. I need it. I've got to have it. When we get to that place where we loathe sin, we hate it. We look at sin, whether it be outside or right here. We look at it and it disgusts us. And then we look at the Word of God and say, Oh, man, I need that. I need the cleansing of it. I, I, I need the purifying of it. I need the help of it. I need the hope of it. I need it all! When we get to that place, then the secret of having God's Word bear fruit in our life has come to fruition. David loathed the Scriptures, and he lo or loathed sin and loved the Scriptures. And so for that, 
he was able to see fruit in his life. I want us to turn to Colossians chapter 1. Keep your place there in Psalm. Then turn to Colossians chapter 1 and put a bookmark there, put your finger there, whatever, because we're going to continuously come back to that here uh, as we're going through this message. But Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, gives us even some thoughts about this secret uh, of having the Word of God fruitful in our life. Paul said, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Here, they're, they're, I know it's not perfect similarities, but there's some similarity here. Do you see this thing of loving the saints? And where did that come from? It came from the Word of God. I think they had to first love the Word of God to be able to put into place this thing of the love of the saints. So just keep your finger there. We'll be back. The secret, verse 113. But what was the fruitful things in his life that came because of loathing sin and loving Scripture? Verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. What we see here is the very first fruit of the scripture that came to his life was salvation. Isn't this the very first fruit that should be to anybody? Somebody gets saved through the word of God. That's the fruit of the word of God. The Bible even tells us in the parables of the, uh, of the Bible that, that, that the word is the seed. And it came in when it found good ground. It bore much fruit. It had to find the good ground though. That's salvation. What we need to realize is the fruit that God bore in us through the word of God when we got born again. There, there are some things here that he, that he calls this. He says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. You know, the, the, we understand salvation can be used many ways. So right now we're talking about that eternal redemption of man from the bondage of sin and liability to eternal death and the conferring on him everlasting uh, happiness. Uh, Webster says this is the great salvation. Amen. And truly it is. I thank God for the daily salvations. Amen. But man, there's that great salvation that one day it's all going to be done and I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord. And God did that through His Word. Notice He says there, Thou art my hiding place. We see the securing of salvation. A hiding place. I want us to note that in this, before we get too much into it, this was a choice David made. Man, he he says, thou art my hiding place. It's not, you've been made my hiding place. It's not that, you know, you, you, you all of a sudden were there, and I'm saying, no, I made this choice. You are my hiding place. This again shows that the whosoever will, free will a man, anybody can choose Jesus Christ. But he said, I chose him to be my hiding place. And when that, there was a securing that took place. When we think of a hiding place, we think of a place where you're secure from harm. Now this does not mean things don't happen even in a hiding place. Amen? 
if I say, say we're, we're in a hiding place, a bunker, amen? We, we got nuclear fallout on the outside, and we're on the inside. We're secure from the nuclear fallout. But I'm walking through the bunker, and I fell over my own feet, and I hurt my knee on the floor, amen? There's still going to be things happen, even in salvation, that we don't always like, but we are secure from the danger that the hiding place was meant for. The hiding place of Jesus Christ is a security against the danger of hellfire. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the securing that God did in my life through salvation. Then we see the shield. And that shield represents to us the sealing of our salvation. And of course, this is the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us, seals us until the day of redemption. And man, there's so much that I want to say about that, but then I'd be stepping on tonight's message and the message for in the future. Uh, we, I can't do it. Amen. But the sealing... That is a shield. You think of a ceiling, and, and I, I think of, of the where Bible tells us that we are in God's hand. Amen. No man can pluck you out of my Father's hand. And, and, and I, I think about that, and, and as we meditate on the Scripture, what Jesus is telling him, hey, we're, we're in the Father's hand, and, and Jesus wrapped around us, and then the Holy Ghost is like a big ball of wax that seals that whole thing up nice and tight. And nothing's going to break through it. Nothing. That's the shield of the hiding place. It's not necessarily talking about this shield here, though you can take that uh, uh, analogy, but it's talking about there's something that covers this hiding place that protects me from all the things that want to come into my hiding place. And that's the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful that God gave us the Holy Ghost to seal us until the day of redemption. Look back at Colossians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. He says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus uh, and of the love which he had to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. What's he talking about? He's talking about their salvation. When they got saved. Ephesians 4 verse 30, speaking of our shield, says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know what a lot of people do in salvation? They get down in the hiding place. They got saved. The Holy Spirit has sealed them at that moment. But then they on the inside, they're, they're pushing back. <laughs> they're trying to beat a hole through the Holy Spirit seal. What is that? That's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. That's the saying, no, that's the quenching of the Spirit. That's the saying, I don't want you to protect me. I want to get out and get that stuff that you're trying to protect me from. Amen? So we have a shield. Let the shield do what the shield is supposed to do. Amen? It is fruit in our life when that shield is allowed to do what it's supposed to do. But then we move on. He says, I hope in thy word. We see in this the surety of our salvation. This is all fruit, folks, of salvation. The surety of it. Romans chapter 10. Look over there real quick. Romans chapter 10. 
verse 14. The Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Listen, this, this whole, again, this whole chapter, 119, is on the wonder of God's word. And here David is saying, look, because I, I hated sin and I loved the scriptures, God's word has had fruit in my life. That very first fruit was, man, I got saved. Amen. I chose God and I got saved and I got secure in my salvation through the Holy Ghost. But man, there's a, there's a surety in it because my hope is not in me. My hope is not in you. My hope is in the word of God that thus saith the Lord. God said it. I, that settles it. Don't matter whether I believe it or not. Amen. <laughs> God said it. That settles it. We need to realize the Word of God. I, I, I love Brother Nichols' testimony. Amen? How he struggled with his salvation for many years. A part of that being that Catholic upbringing. you got to do this. got to do that. And, 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 and he just struggled at times with it. But there came that day when God gave him a verse of Scripture and he realized, I just got to put it all on God's Word. And he went to God and man, some people might say, well, that was arrogant. I don't think so. God says, prove me. Amen. Brother Nichols went to God and he said, Lord, if I'm not saved and I go to hell, then it's your fault because I'm just trusting in what your Word said. Amen. That's the surety of it. Because it's not in what I think. It's not what in how I feel. It's not in what others do to me or what I do to others. It's all based on God and His Word. Oh, the surety of our salvation. This is fruit. Listen, not, not every Christian has this fruit. They can be saved. They might have the, the salvation. And they have the shield if they're saved. But again, they, whether they're letting it work in their life or not, that's the, that's the question. But many Christians walk this life so unsure. So unsure. Why is that? I'm going to say it's because they're struggling with loathing sin and loving God's Word. Because when we get to that place, we just put all the dependence on God's Word. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be 100%. Perfect in that loathing, sin, loving God's word. I'm saying you come to a place where that's just part of you. And all of a sudden now the word of God, I have no problem trusting it. I know what God's word said is what God's word said. And I'm going to trust that. Folks, salvation, it is a fruit of the word of God. I hope that each one of us here today can say, I'm saved. Amen. If there's not that fruit in your life, if you cannot say, I'm born again, I know without the shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven and that, that God is my God and that Jesus is my Savior and that the Holy Spirit is my seal and that I will see Jesus in the future. If you can't say that, I ask you, please, consider the fact that you might need to be saved. And let, come and let somebody take the scriptures with you. The uh, second fruit that we see is in verse 115. He says, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. We see the fruit of sanctification. 
By this we mean the act of consecrating or of setting apart for a sacred purpose, consecration. Amen? In other words, that when we get saved, we know that we are consecrated. Amen? We know that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Nothing's going to... In God's eyes, we're perfect. The robe of righteousness is on us. But we're talking about the practical, everyday sanctification. And again, this is not something, as Brother Ben has pointed out, and we know this, that this is nothing that we're doing to force salvation. It's nothing that we're doing to even try to boast or, or say, hey, look at me, or, or to prove ourselves, as Brother Ben said it. But there are things that God wants us to do. Amen? There are things God wants us to do. Now, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Here, it seems like just... I don't know, the last few weeks, really. God's really dealt my heart about this thing. And, and, you know, he's used Brother Ben's messages to kind of confirm what he was already dealing in my heart about the fact that sometimes we independent Baptists, we can be really <laughs> almost legalistic. Some are legalistic, amen, but I, I'm talking legalistic for everybody to make sure we're on, on the same term. Legalistic means we believe that you've got to do that to be saved. That's legalistic. Amen? But there are many independent Baptists can, that can get to some areas, and I've been there, amen, that you've got to do this. And literally, you don't. Amen? You're saved. That's what you've got to do. You've got to get saved. You don't got to do anything else, but we get to do some other things. We get to do some other things. You know what I found in my life as a Christian? That the things that God desires me to do when I submit to that and do it, my life is better for it. My life is better for it. Amen? I mean, there are some things, you know, we understand there are things that are commandments, there are things that are preferences and all that. And we got to be careful that our preferences don't become pharisaical commandments to other people. Amen? But there are other things. There are, there are things in the Bible that God says, you know, this is the way. And so we, we see things and we do things that maybe the Bible doesn't necessarily say, do this, but we do it because that's in line with the commandment. Amen? Because God's Word doesn't necessarily say about certain things. I mean, listen, you want to smoke? Go smoke. Amen? Go smoke. I don't care. That's between you and God. Amen? Please don't do it in my face. I hate it. Unless it's a cigar or a pipe. If you want to smoke those, blow it in my face. I'll, I'll enjoy the aroma with you. Amen? I'm just being, I'm just being, <laughs> just out there. Amen? I'm telling you what I am. I'm a sinner. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, uh, Spurgeon, he smoked cigars for many years. Smoked cigars for many years. But you know what? I just learned this the other day. I did not know this. Brother Hibner told me this. You know what caused Spurgeon to stop smoking cigars? Because some other young Christian said, I can smoke cigars because he smokes cigars. And Spurgeon realized if he's basing what he does on what I do, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Man. We, we've got to realize what we, what we base, what we do, should be from the Word of God. Right. Amen? Now, if you can find Scripture that make you feel comfortable smoking your cigar, go right ahead. Amen? 
And when we get to heaven, we'll let God tell us which one was right, which one was wrong, or whether or not both of us were right. Amen? Uh, the, the whole, be fully persuaded. Amen? But then there are other things that people, the Bible is very specific about, that people just want to say, well, that's Old Testament. Amen? Uh, sodomy. Amen? <laughs> A lot of Christ, quote-unquote Christians today want to say, oh, well, that's Old Testament. God thinks differently in the New Testament. No, he doesn't. He never said, I think differently about that sin. Amen? Uh, being in the house of God. That is Old Testament and New Testament. I don't know where people get off on that. The Bible says, forsake not the assembly. But so many people, well, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God wherever. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And though you might have liberty to go do whatever you want, whenever you want, and you're still going to heaven, going to heaven if you're saved, you're breaking a command of God. I'll tell you, my flesh, there are days I don't want to come to church. Just, I mean, in the flesh. Amen? There are days that I'd rather sleep in. There are days I'd rather go hunting. There are days I'd rather go hiking. There are days I'd rather just be by myself somewhere and not even be with my family on that day. Amen? But you know what? That's not just Sundays. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There are times I feel like that. But the thing is, is we're to bring this flesh under control. And so God says, forsake not. So you know what? I'm going to go. And every time I go, I find, man, I'm glad I went. <laughs> but this, this is the sanctification. Here in, in, in Psalm uh, 119, verse 115, there's two parts to this sanctification. First of all, there is a decision to separate. He says, depart from me, ye evildoers. This is not, this is not the evildoers saying we're departing from you. Even though that might happen a lot when you start to get sanctified. Amen? Uh, when you start letting God change the outside to be more like Jesus, sinners don't want to be around that. But it shouldn't start there. It should start with us saying, I don't want to be around you. I love you. I care about you. But I can't stand the things you do. Why? Because I loathe sin. And when I get around you and all you want to do is drink and all you want to do is party and all you want to do is cuss and all you want to do is watch dirty movies and all you want to do is this or that, it burdens me. It sickens me. So I just don't want to be around you. Man. That's what, that's what he's talking about. The wicked. Depart from me, ye evildoers. We need to have a decision to separate from sin. Look over at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14 through 18. Be, not ye, uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore? 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now we know the Bible tells us that people will separate from us as we live for Christ. But the command is for us to separate from them. Too many Christians want to hang out with the evildoers and just say, well, I'll just get close to God and make them have to make the decision to leave. I don't want to make that decision. No, you're supposed to make the decision. That's part of sanctification. To make the decision to separate. To go away from. Notice in in 2 Corinthians, he very clearly lays out not only personal separation from people, but ecclesiastical separation from the the world's churches. Amen? You and I, as born-again, Bible-believing Christians, ought not to be wanting to go. If if I'm on vacation, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a Bible-believing, independent Baptist church. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a Bible church. I'm not looking for a, a, a Catholic church. I'm not looking for a Protestant church. I'm not looking for a Christian church. I'm looking for a church where I know the Bible's going to be preached. And sometimes you can't find it. Sometimes you can't find it. My, we went on vacation one time when I was a kid, seeing my grandparents when my dad was in Bible college, at, and it was, I think it was Easter time even. And uh, my dad, at that time, no cell phones, no internet stuff. He's looking up in the phone book trying to find an independent Baptist church around my grandma, and there was not one listed. Not one. The only Baptist church listed was a Southern Baptist church. And, you know, this back in the 80s, uh, or, yeah, 80s, and so, eh, you know, Southern Baptist, you can find some good ones, some bad ones. So Dad said, we're going to go to Southern Baptist Church. So we went there. And, yeah, there were things that just weren't right. <laughs> so you know what we did for that night? The only thing we could, because there was no other church to go to. We didn't just, well, I'll just go wherever. No. We read the Bible as a family and prayed and sang a song together. Because there was no church to go to. But my dad did everything he could to find a good church to go to. You know, I'm not going to go and say, I'm okay with what your beliefs are just because there's no independent Baptist church around here. In fact, when Paul could not find a church of believers, you know what he did? He went down and started preaching to somebody. He went down and started trying to win somebody to the Lord so he could start a church in that area. Man, Maybe that's the thing we need to do. But... We need to have this ecclesiastical separation as well. There needs to be a decision to separate. Secondly, there in Psalm 119, let me get back there. He says, For I will keep the commandments of my God. There needs to be a decision not only to separate, but a decision to submit. Look at Romans chapter 6. A decision to submit. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Know ye not 
that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now we understand that the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 to uh, not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So what Paul is speaking here when he says that uh, obedience uh, 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 of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, which is life, what he's saying is you and I, if we decide to obey the sin, it could be the death of us. Not eternally. Sometimes we look at things think, oh, that's eternal death. No, not eternally. It could be a physical death. You know, I decide to turn away from the things of God and go live a very loose lifestyle. I might get a disease that kills me. Yeah. But it definitely is speaking of some spiritual death. I'm dying to the things of God. My spirit is is dying. My, the, 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 the Holy Spirit's being quenched in my life. There's no life in me could be. Amen. So we need to be careful. We need to make a decision to submit. That's part of the sanctification is to be able to get in the Bible and because I love God's Word and I hate sin, I get in the book and as God opens my understanding to truth, I obey it. I obey it by faith. Not if I understand it. By faith, I, I submit. You know, God opens our eyes many ways. God will open our eyes to our personal reading. God will open our eyes through the preaching of God's Word. God will open our eyes through fellowship with other believers. God will open our eyes to these things in many ways. It all boils down to what the Bible says, though. Amen? So as we see what the Word of God says, again, whether we understand it, whether we like it or not, we need to make a decision to submit to it. Amen? Man, when I first got saved, there were a lot of things I really did not want to submit to. Man, the, the old flesh still wanted to do what it wanted to do. And it took time for God to work out some things, and guess what? God's still working on me. But man, I'm thankful for the things I've submitted to God. It truly has made my life better. So Satan, look, look over at Colossians chapter 1 so we can get the parallel here from the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 6 through 10. He says there, Which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Uh, as we also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, sanctification is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, this, 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 this submitting to the things of God and shunning the things of the world is a good thing. It helps us to live the way God wants us to live. It doesn't get us to heaven, but it does make us closer to God. You know, I tell you, 
That's that, I mean, just think about it. You got a Christian who is trying to submit himself. He's not perfect. In fact, there might be, let's say it's a young Christian. Just got saved, amen? And he's reading the Bible, and he is, he is submitting himself to everything he comes across as he comes across it, but he hasn't come across some things yet. And so he has in his life some things that we understand, wow, he really shouldn't be doing that, amen? But he hasn't seen that yet, but he is submitting to everything he can that he sees. And then you have the Christian who's been saved for 20 years. They've seen all of the Bible. They've read the whole thing. They've been preached to for 20 years. They know what God's Word says about some things, and yet they say, nope, I'm not doing that. Just one thing. He might be doing everything else right, but that one thing he won't submit to. You know who God's going to hear their prayers more than the other? The other guy might have ten things in his life that don't line up with the Word of God, but he doesn't know it yet. He's submitting everything he does know. This guy knows the one thing in his life he's not lined up with is wicked, and he will, just won't do it. God's going to hear that man's prayer more than that man's prayer. Amen? Think about it. Sanctification is a fruit that should come uh, through the Bible and us loving the Bible and, and loathing sin. Let's move on. We see in verses 116 to 117, Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Uh, hold thou me up, and I shall be saved, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. We see in this the fruit of sustainment sustainment the god holding us up god meeting our needs god doing a work in our life listen folks this is fruit that comes from the word of god how's that because you know god teaches us how to trust in him through the word of god those bible brother ben again speaking this morning about the old testament those old testament examples how greater of an example they are than even the New Testament examples because of the time frame that God shows us of their life. Amen? I thought, man, Brother Ben, that was great understanding that. that was, I, I love that. But what we need to see is that God sustains. And, and that's a fruit in our life that comes from just loving God's Word, loathing sin. Because the more we're okay with sin and not in love with God's Word, the less God's going to sustain. He, he will sustain. He will sustain your soul. But God is under no obligation to meet your physical needs if we don't hate sin, love God's Word. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm saying that we hate sin, love God's Word, and trying the best of our ability to separate from sin and to submit to God's Word. Okay? Now listen, again, please don't take me wrong. <laughs> this does not mean just because somebody's not having their needs met, they're not submitted, they're not hating the sin. That doesn't, again, remember Job. Amen? Remember Job. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is each one of us would have to look at our life. Amen? Man, there are times that I'm going through a trial. I, I'm not seeing the sustainment of the Lord. I'm thinking, God, where are you? And I'm having to look inside sometimes. Am I right with God? Am I right with God? Or is there some sin in my life that I've become okay with? 
If there's sin in my life, then all of a sudden I know why God's not sustaining me. God's trying to get my attention. He is under no obligation to sustain if I have sin in my life. That word uphold, it means to support, to sustain, to keep from falling or slipping. It means to keep from uh, declension, which is a declining to a worse state. It means to support in any state. Think about that. We can see God upholds us the whole way through. In any state means He upholds our salvation. We're saved no matter what. But if we're in a place of sin, God can uphold us to help us not go even worse than we're already at. And then, but what he really wants to do, he wants to support us to keep us from falling or slipping at all. Man, that's the sustainment we find in this, the status of those who, uh, well, let's look over at Isaiah. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Verse 8 through 13. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob. Amen. Hey, we got Jacob good light and Jacob bad light in both this area of Scripture. Uh, Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and thou shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst I the Lord will hear them I the God of Israel will not forsake them I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water we could go on there but suffice it to say listen we need to understand that God will take care of His people. Now, I know He's talking directly to Israel there. But we find in the New Testament that God has set aside Israel even though He's still sustaining them. He never goes back on that promise. They're just not getting the sustainment He wants to give them. But He's come to us today. Amen? Because we have looked to the Savior. We have trusted the Savior. And so the same promise is to us as His people. And we need to understand that God will sustain us. Now, four quick things there. I think we might end there and we'll finish this next week. But in this sustainment, there's the status of the sustainment. Look at verse 117 there again. Or 116, excuse me. Uphold me. Uphold me. Who is David? Well, we saw in verse 114, David's a saved man. 
David's a saint. Why does that make him? It's a, he's a child of God. The status of those that get stained are his children. God is under no obligation to sustain the lost. Now think about this. The goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. God is very good. And we see the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. That's the goodness of God. But God's sustainment is not uh, 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 bound to those that are lost. It's bound to his children. Thank God. That's a fruit in our life. We go on. The sponsor of this sustainment. He says, Uphold me according unto thy word uh, that I may live. Uh, He says, According unto thy word. Who's the thy? God. Amen? So we see in this that our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, they are the sponsor of this sustainment. He is the one that will do it. And guess what? He can do it. He can do it. Now here's the thing. Again, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament. we got to say, according to thy will, Lord. According to thy will. Sometimes I want something. And I want it bad. And God says, it's not my will for you right now. So we got to say according to His will. So the status, the sponsor, look at the safety of this. He says, uphold me according unto thy word that I may live. This here, this live. He's not just talking about physical life, though there's that. He's talking about his mind, his body, and his spirit. He's saying, listen, I need my whole life sustained. I need every part of me sustained. And the only place I can find that sustainment is in you and your word, God. And guess what? He found it. He found it. Look at what he said. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. Does this mean David is saying, if you don't sustain me the way I think you should sustain me, I lose all faith in you, God? No. What he's saying is, you keep me living so that my hope keeps going. Because what happens when we die? We don't have hope anymore. Hope becomes sight. Amen? We don't need hope anymore. Faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Why? Because faith and hope die at death. We come to sight at that time. We don't need faith and hope anymore, praise God. And so what we find here is David is saying, listen, not that I'm putting you to the test here, and if you don't come through, I'm not going to hope in you. He's saying, I need you to help me live so my hope continues while I'm in this world. He goes on, the servicing of this. He says, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. That's part of the safety there. And then, and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. The servicing of this sustainment is continued respect. Okay? What is, again, at that verse, is David saying, Look, if you don't hold me up and keep me safe, then I'm not going to continue in your statutes. That's not what David is saying. Many people want to look at verse like that and say, David's saying if he don't do, then he's not going to do. And so they get this idea that we can say, God, you do this and I'll do this. That's not how God works. What David is saying here is, is the, that when God is taking care of me, it allows me to continue. 
And my duty as I continue is to continue respecting so he can continue sustaining. Because when I stop respecting the statutes of God and I say, I don't need to keep that one, I'll need to keep that one, I'll need to keep that one, then all of a sudden I'm at risk of losing some sustainment. Not salvation, but some sustainment. We need to realize sustainment is a fruit. If we can see God sustaining us, there's fruit. Amen? It might not always be the sustainment we want, but if we're seeing God sustaining us, that's fruit. Man, I'm thankful for that fruit. Then we look here. Uh, now I said we'd stop there. We're going to stop there, amen, And because uh, it'll take me a little bit to get through the rest of it. But I don't know about you. That, I, I, I got excited in, in my studying of this. They're just... I'm, I started looking, and I'm not perfect in all these. I'm not perfect in all these, but I do see these things in my life. I do see salvation. I see all the parts of salvation. Amen? I, I, I do see sanctification. Not perfect, but thank God I'm, I am getting better every day. And, and I am thankful that I have seen sustainment throughout my life as a saved man. And I know God will continue to sustain me. Have you seen this fruit in your life? I think the thing that we need to really get as we'll continue this next week is if we want more of it, we need to grow even more in hatred with sin and more in love with God's Word. We'll see more and more of it. More and more of it. Not, not more salvation. You're, you're fully saved. But you'll see more and more of the, of the product of salvation. Amen? If we get to where we just continuously hate sin, love the Scriptures. Test yourself. I'll test myself tomorrow. When we get up and we leave out tomorrow to go to work, first and foremost, did we spend time in the Scriptures? Was it important enough to make sure I got up early enough to do so? Secondly, when I see sin in the world... Am I okay with it? Am I okay with it? Folks, the reason sin has been allowed to get so rampant in our world today is because we Christians have become okay with it. God, God has beat me over the head here in the last few days. Watch a movie and it, nothing terribly wrong with it. But they used the Lord's name in vain a couple times. Why didn't I shut it off the very first time? Some guy out there in the world says it, and I get mad. But then I bring it into my home and allow somebody to say it. And I get upset, but I let it continue. That tells me I'm not loathing sin like I ought to. I've become okay with a little bit of sin. We need to get to the place where we hate it. We need to get to the place where we love God's Word. And I believe we'll see more and more and more of this fruit in our life. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I'm thankful for these first three areas of fruit that we've looked at. Looking forward to the others. Lord, I pray that, God, you'd help us to examine our lives. Lord, help us to, to see, Lord, do we love your Word? And do we hate sin? Or has it become acceptable? Lord, I pray, speak to us. 
work in us. Forgive us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As the piano plays,